to all my heavy hitters and lockdown defenders, welcome to the Lockdown Divas Podcast, episode 65. We're back in the building, man, each and every Tuesday, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, on all platforms that you get your podcasts from, YouTube, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and even iHeartRadio now. We're on now on iHeartRadio, so check us out on any platforms that you get your podcasts from so you can get these news and views that you can use. Appreciate everybody's support. And everybody's uh, listening up to uh, this particular drive, man. We are down 65 episodes. We're into it, man. We are ready. We're ready to go. Wrapping up this year of 2021. Ready to go, man. Everything's good. Everything's lovely. Uh, quick shout out to Coach Kurt on Saturday. Uh, we had a nice spirited conversation, some heavy hitting content on Saturday with Sports Talk with Coach and Kurt. We are now dual streaming that, that particular uh, stream on Saturday at 9 p.m. on YouTube and Twitch. So if you have either one of those platforms, you want to catch us live. Each and every Saturday at 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Check us out on either one of those platforms. It's going live, dual stream. We can chat. We can talk. We even do a mailbag questions coming up soon here. So if you want to get some questions in and get them answers on the podcast or sports talk, let us know. We can get those questions in for you. We're going to probably try to try to pick around maybe top five each week and get you on and uh and get some relevant topics uh brewing on this uh here podcast. So as always, man, appreciate everybody that's been uh grinding with us for 65 episodes and uh if you haven't done so already, please like, comment, and subscribe on all uh, videos uh, on YouTube and the other platforms. So let me know what you're feeling out there. Like I said, we're in episode 65, and we're going to have some heavy-hitting content here. Uh, we've been uh, brewing for a solid week. Uh, we had to take an improper two-week off to get some things straight. Family in town, a lot of busy things going on for holidays, and had to retool and get things right, um, do some administrative things for the podcast, get that going. So... We are already back fueled and ready to go to wrap up this year of 2021. And it's been a good one, man. So, yeah. So, let's talk about NBA first and foremost this week. We're going to talk about the Lakers. I'm going to do a deep dive here. I haven't done Lakers locker room yet, as promised. So, I'm going to give a nice overview of what's wrong with the Lakers. I'm going to talk about that first and foremost. Uh, I'm going to talk about John Wall and his status with the Rockets. Uh, Kyrie and Ben Simmons uh, trade rumors have surfaced again. So, we'll talk about that. Uh, then we'll get into NFL headlines. We'll talk about... Uh, A.B. And, and Aaron Rodgers and this COVID uh, debacle that they've been going through. Um, I also want to talk about the Packers as a whole and how they're faring uh, this uh, here uh, back half of the season. Uh, then we'll talk about uh, what the playoffs are going to look like and what's uh, missing the certain teams that are going to ultimately derail their chances to be a contender. We'll talk about Lamar Jackson as well, we'll get into uh, his struggles, and we're going to talk about exactly what is going on with him and why we feel like he's struggling uh, here lately. And then we'll get into some NFL news, so we'll break down some headlines we've uh, came across in the past couple of weeks that we want to uh, deep discuss real quick. Uh, so NFL signings happened, uh, we'll do some injury news, and uh, we'll also give us some COVID impact if there's any. And then we'll break down our uh, recap of our high games of the week uh, for week 13. Uh, <laughs> I watched a, another bond burner in the snow globe of a play in game in Buffalo this, uh, this past Monday night, so we'll talk about it as well. And we'll get into our fourth quarter closeout. We'll give out our awards for breakout player of the week, lockdown defender of the week, and big dummy of the week. So let's get into who's in the news, man. Let's do it. And here we go. So let's talk who's in the news. Let's start with the NBA. And uh, I've been um, busy, uh, you know, delivering this uh, content and covering both sports here in a large part. Uh, NBA is going on concurrently with the NFL right now. We hadn't had that since, honestly and truly, since the inception of my podcast. So it's, it's been different and been some adjustment period going on here. So I haven't been given the love that I wanted to give to the Lakers as far as covering them uh, in this entirety. Now, 
understand this when the NFL season ends, they'll get completely and totally my undivided attention, obviously. But um, what I wanted to do here because I've been examining them, although I haven't been covering them in my in my uh podcast and sports talk and things of that nature to the degree I wanted to. Uh, I've been paying attention deeply and uh, understanding that what's been happening with the team and where they're at right now and why they're at where they're at right now is deeply, deeply disturbing me, honestly and truly, you know, just being transparent. Um, So I also wanted to break that down. I wanted to give everybody clear and understanding from my perspective exactly what is wrong with the Lakers. That's that's, that's the headline. What's wrong with the Lakers? Because clearly they're underachieving. Uh, I mean, they always and truly will always be the type of team that's going to build for the championship runs, you know, not division titles, not more victories, not just trying to be out there to, you know, to compete in, in good, have a good showing. It's always and utterly about the championships. So clearly they're not in the championship conversation at, at this moment at 500, 12 and 12. So, you know, we have to understand exactly what is happening with this roster. Now, I mean, given the lay of the land, understand that this roster completely revamped this year you know make no you know excuses or cop-outs in that regard but that's the that's the facts i mean just that's just the facts uh you know ad and lebron are only in tht are the only people that are retaining or remaining from the previous roster now you could argue whether or not it's good or bad you know and i'm going to break it down exactly what i feel like the lakers did from the free agency period up until now and what's uh right and wrong with his team and and maybe we have a solution maybe we don't but i'm going to give exactly my synopsis i'm going to use a nice college word uh, my synopsis about exactly what is going on with the lakers and truly um where they lie right now as of i guess you can say the uh, first week of december of 2021 so understand this the team was revamped due you know in my opinion of a lack of production and three-point shooting that i pinpointed as being a problem area you know i said this before that the the lack of three-point shooting and consistent three-point shooting was going to be a problem because you don't have to be uh the warriors or the Suns when it comes to three-point shooting but you have to compete and you have to match you know a certain level of uh three-point shooting because you can't trade twos or threes all game you'll lose every game you know i don't care how good or bad you are defensively if you trade two for threes all the game and a certain teams certain teams get hot and shoot you know well into like the Clippers did the other night, shoot almost, you know, 40 to 50%. From, I think they shot almost 40% from three and almost, like shot 50% from the field, something crazy like that. An anomaly, but yet again, you lose that game because you can't you can't go step for step with them in, in, in waves when it comes down, at least keep pace and from a three-point shooter perspective, uh, is the reason why you lose games like that. So the Lakers identify that as being a problem. So the front office traded away, or, or chose not to resign some of the, the team's best defenders from for offensive talent. That's that's my opinion. And I understand the need. I do. Because being because being solely relied on a soon to be thirty seven year old LeBron James and all, and often injured Anthony Davis for all your scoring, and when they're off the court or not on the court at all, this team struggles mightily. But it seems to be with the current roster is a classic human nature. When you fail in one way. And you try to correct it. You you tend to overcorrect or overcompensate for your deficiencies. So we have Russell Westbrook, a high usage, high highly hyper aggressive, high energy, reckless point guard, making forty four million dollars a year. He was acquired by sending three young, talented three and D wing guys to Washington. Now to be fair, you know in the past season there were far more D 
defense than three. You know, if you catch my analogy, D stands for defense and three points shooting, three and they win. So in the last season or so, I get that. So, but they were productive. So Russell somehow convinced the LeBron and the Lakers to trade for him. And the Wizards happily agreed. They get his contract off the books and get, you know, honestly, truly as, as much as, you know, you know, as much, much, in most places that, you know, he's, he's been in the last few years is it was an odd fit for the Wizards. So they were happily ready to get rid of him. So here's where the problem lies with Westbrook and the Lakers, other big guns. They all go to the basket, short free throw, around the basket style players. And the way the NBA is currently played, you have to have one or two players, so whoever that may be, you know, are those type of players, and you have to have shooters around them. So if you look at that dynamic, you don't need another attack the basket uh, style player, you know, to go along with the LeBron and AD. You don't. Again, that that's that's a, that's a big problem. So. Getting Russell Westbrook, you know, made me scratch my head because, yet again, he's yet another person that has to be around the rim to be effective, you know, from a scoring perspective. Never been a great shooter. Uh, you know, never been, you know, highly dominant from the outside, you know, of the painted area, to be honest. So you have three people that are highly effective around the basket, and yet you have no dominant shooting outside of that. I mean, I, I didn't see the fit. I really didn't. And especially when... Yet again, you know, you you had options, in my opinion. You know, and then and to hear DeMar DeRozan say that he just knew, you know, in his heart of hearts that he was going to be a Laker. You know, and he would have took less money to come to L.A. And you balked at that idea for Russell Westbrook. I, yet again, I don't, I don't get the fit. So you also had an option to get Buddy Hill. You know, and I'm not sure exactly what Sacramento was – asking for but i would like to believe they would have took the deal that the wizards took that's my thought or maybe a draft pick but if regardless of that you get a sweet the is a little bit you could have had buddy hill you know and that makes that for me that makes a way better uh that, that makes way for a better fit than uh versus what ever would have been again three and the wing guys as your third score buddy hill or demar DeRozan. now again demar DeRozan never been really known for sticking a lot of three-pointers, but he's deadly from mid-range. So even if he had to take a step inside the line, getting uh, passes from LeBron and AD on double teams and, and collapsing defenses, you he will, he will literally stick consistent jumpers for you. Again, makes more sense to me. So Russell's play style and the idea he needs to have the ball in his hands at all times to be effective lets me know right off that it was an outfit. So when LeBron is the quarterback of this team, no matter who is the air quote point guard is, and as you look at the evidence on the court, that's what, you know, that's what happened. The offense, when Russell Westbrook is on the floor, is, is completely clunky and inefficient in large stretches. With all three of them on the floor, it's, it's a bit of a struggle. It's tough to watch. So, yet again, that, that, that particular uh, acquisition at $44 million was very, very uh, head-scratching worthy. I really didn't understand it. And again, the dynamics of basketball. How do you feel? What what was the what was the driving factor of thinking that he was going to be, uh, I guess you can say, a, a better addition to Hill or DeRozan would have been? I don't get that. I don't get that. Yet again, and then like I said, he's always always been known hyper aggressive, reckless, and turnover prone too, and never been known for being a, a great defensive player either. So that's another issue. You trade away good three three good defensive players. 
for a guy that doesn't play, turn the ball over a lot and doesn't play in defense. That doesn't make a lot of sense. And I get the accolades in the, in, in, in the you know, triple doubles and all the stats that he's put up, but he's put that up at a high usage rate. He hasn't put it up at, at, a, at a smaller clip. He hasn't been on a team where he's had two other superstars and put up those type of numbers. He just has not. So we, when he's him and a bunch of Jimmys and Joes, he can do that. But when he has other people that can score, have, you know, immense talent on a team, that, that wanes and that fades. So that's, that's null and void. So that's my issue with Russell Westbrook in, 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 an infant, in its infancy of him being a Laker. So, you know, and as I'm going through this, I'm giving you individual issues that I had with acquisitions and, and roster moves as we get, as we apex into the overall team issue. So my next issue is this whole idea of having three bigs on your team. I, I really didn't understand either. And the biggest and most glaring addition that I was questioning was the idea of having uh, DeAndre Jordan. Now, I, I understand, I, I, get, I get the Dwight Howard thing a little bit, but I don't get having three bigs, especially when you have two of those bigs on the floor at the same time. I just don't understand it. Now, Dwight is a little bit of a reckless wild card. So, although he's athletic and really good defender at the rim, even at his advanced age, you know, I you understand that he's going to be getting to the stretches where even though he's coming off the bench, he'll be in foul trouble. He may get himself ejected here and there. So, the idea of, of counting on him from a consistent basis might be give you a little bit of pause. But given DeAndre Jordan, DeAndre Jordan should be the end man on the bench if he's just there to help Dwight and spell Dwight when he's not available. But yet again, him being on the floor starting is, is baffling to me. When again, he's to me, he's a less athletic Dwight Howard, in my opinion. And uh, he, he's, he's, far, he's far less capable of scoring and, and having any type of offensive prowess than Dwight, Dwight, Dwight has ever been. So again, you got Dwight, you know, on a certain level of, I can at least maybe count on him for a putback or, or uh, a spin move dunk or, or something, you know, around the basket that he can, you know, get a couple of points, maybe get fouled. But I can't count on none of that from DeAndre. DeAndre has never been a good offensive person, period. Like, you know, him and I almost put him in the same boat as Andre Drummond. Like, they've never been really good uh, offensive guys. They've always been, you know, high energy rebound, block shots, you know, defenders. And they've, they've never been, like, blow your mind offensive players at all. So, again, I don't get the DeAndre or DeJordan acquisition. Again, I just I just don't understand it. Like, cause like I said, he's a left a less athletic Dwight Howard. And mind you, you know, it's this is only done to appease AD, you know, because he doesn't want to play the five for long stretches. But what he needs to come to grips with, and with most teams, they play small ball now, four athletic wing players and one big. And lo and behold, the Lakers' best offensive uh, trips or best offensive stints up to this point is when he's playing the five. And I reiterate, our choice is signed you know, him and waste the roster spot. I mean, I'm talking about DeAndre Jordan. So why do you have him? I, I, I'm just a little curious about that, you know. But yet again, that's all because AD doesn't, you know, want to play the five, but that's honestly and truly what he needs to be playing. I mean, most teams are built with, you know, smaller, you know, wing, athletic wings for, you got a, you know, a traditional point guard, typically like a Steph Curry, Jamal Murray, somebody like that, you know, Damon Lillard, you know, three other athletic guys on the wing in one big. Look at the Jazz. Look at the Sun. I mean, you can just name all the teams. I mean, every team is built like that except for the Lakers. 
You know, so, I mean, you have to match that. You can't be stubborn and saying, we're going to just play big man in basketball. It's not, it doesn't work that way. And it's affecting the defensive prowess. So I'm going to get to that later. But it's affecting the defense as well because you have smaller athletic guys, younger guys with your fresher legs running you around back and forth, and you can't keep up. So you had a whole enough conversation, but we'll get to that in a minute. So didn't understand our John Jay Jordan acquisition. Didn't understand it at all. So, again, that, address, that addresses my glaring offseason ads. And it made me really stretch my head. The rest of the movies, I'm kind of make sense to, to a degree from the numbers perspective. Uh, Malik Monk and, and Wayne Allison were brought in to be 3 and D wing guys, along with a reason none. Now, we haven't seen the latter of the two groups I just named. You know, we haven't seen reason and none yet. But Monk and Ellington have been uh, a, a little 3 and not much D. Now, I'll give Malik Monk credit. He's been coming on here lately. But I, I can't give Wayne Ellison any credit at all for being a good acquisition as of yet, and we're 24 games in. So, um, Carmelo being added, I get that. He was he was added for bench scoring, which he's been doing for the past, you know, three seasons plus for the Blazers. You know, instant offense off the bench. I get that. That makes perfect sense to me. I get that acquisition. Now, Avery Bradley was added late as he got released from the Warriors. And, you know, I think he's trying to make the best of it, you know, um, but because you know, because after COVID hit and he opted out of the Lakers, his legacy when he won a title, and when he went to the bubble, he didn't want to go. Um, I really don't think he desired to ever come back to LA to play. I really don't. But I think he he's buying, you know. But again, and I just don't think he his heart is completely in it, you know, from from a, a playing perspective. I think he's trying to make the best of it and trying to make it work so he can, you know, maybe facilitate himself a another deal somewhere else to see how valuable he can be another team and maybe go somewhere else because again he's had multiple times multiple opportunities to come back to LA on his own and he hasn't done it so he was only coming back to LA because they there was no other suitors out there at the moment so he's back now but again uh, I think that we would get better effort from him if he was really bought in because I really think he could be an asset I really think he can be a really good three and the wing defender he can knock down a decent three-point shot and he does play really good defense but yes I, I but again I, I question his commitment level I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he's only honestly, truly on hundred percent there. I think he just, I honestly go through the motions, but I think he's kind of conflicted in all honesty, you know, to the point where he, you know, if things really don't start to go better for the Lakers, he may ask for his release. I don't know. I mean, I just don't know. Yeah, I, I, I get mixed vibes from him um, from a body language perspective when he's on the court. I really do. Now, when it comes to THT and Austin Rivers, Reeves, excuse me, Austin Reeves, I don't have any issues, real issues with them. I like them young, athletic, you know, I get they have great talent level. They have great spirit. You know, uh, again, but you only get them in spurts. You know, they don't get heavy minutes. Rondo, I, I appreciate that from a talent, from an intelligent and talented veteran and a floor leader perspective. But again, you want to get Rondo in spurts because again, uh, you know, Westbrook is hogging major minutes at the point guard position, so you don't see Rondo a lot. And I, I and I don't know the makeup of Ken Bazemore at all. I haven't seen him much. He hadn't done much, so I'm, I'm scratching my head at that and what's his uh, contribution to the team. Uh, so, again, you know, from you know from the major names perspective, that's individually what I feel like is wrong personnel-wise with the Lakers. Now, and if you take all that into account that I just underscored, it's hard to make those ingredients into something edible. You know, and even more so trying to make it into a contending team is even harder. Because when you mess these teams together, you get an old roster in a league full of young, fresh legs, talented, 
in the West, you know, supremely talented in the West, you know, especially when you come up against speed and, and the pace of the way the Suns and the Warriors play, in, you know, in, for instance, we're at the top of the, the league right now, conference right now. You know, I I wouldn't even argue that the the Clippers team is is more uh, athletic and, more, and younger and fresher. You know, even without Kawhi Leonard, I would argue that they're they're uh, they're causing problems for the Lakers as well because again, and again, you know, the Lakers are they looked they look old, they look old and slow, and they have no desire to play defense. They're just out there to be out there because we all know this. You know, if you played any athletic sport. That you know, defense is about will or desire and effort, and will, desire, and effort to play solid defense is not there for this team as it, as it's currently constructed. And I'm just putting it plain. That's the biggest problem. That's the biggest problem. So the Lakers went out and got all these three point shooters, and still one of the worst teams in the league is three point shooting. And as I alluded to earlier, they went heavy offense and totally neglected defense inside of the ball. Lakers are one of the worst league teams in the league in defense efficiency this year. And that's just months removed from being one of the best, if not the best. On top of the fact that they inherited some of the worst free throw shooting in the league as well. Like, oh my God. Like, when you have your best big man shooting technical free throws and not a guard, that's a problem. Most teams you see Steph Curry or, or Damian Lillard or, or Jamal Murray or, or uh, Devin Booker, somebody, Chris Paul, you see those people shooting technical free throws because they're good free throw shooters. They're good shooters in general. And you got AD shooting free throws, technical free throws, because nobody else you trust that they can shoot them. And he even doesn't even make him at a high clip right now. Problem. Which is why even, you know, rebuilding, rebuilding teams have a shot at beating this team on a nightly basis because they just can't keep up with the fast pace. Can't keep up pace from, with the fast pace of the, of the faster, younger guards and, and wing players. And it can't keep pace from three. You know, on top of the fact, again, they can't get consistent stops on defense. They may play defense, you know, for a play here, a play there, or even a quarter here, a quarter there, or just a few minutes stretches here and there. But yet again, it always comes back to giving up key baskets and key buckets and don't communicate and don't have sound synergy as a, from a team perspective as a defense, as a defensive team. So, again, I, I just don't understand exactly the construction of how, go, how you overcompensate and you not even get – in world beating production offensively if you're gonna go all offense, no defense. I mean, because look at it. The, the amount of points they were giving up, or the, the effort level they had, and how much how much how dominant they were as a defensive team last year, you needed to have that or more so if you're gonna go all offense. So if you were literally shutting people down to 90 points or less a game, you know, under hundred a game, you need to be scoring 100 and 120 a game to come to combat the fact that you don't play defense. And they're not doing that either. Not doing that either. So, you know, so safe to say, this team is going nowhere fast. You know, way it's currently constructed. Assume LeBron and AD stay healthy. You know, they will even, and even with that standing, they will be they will struggle to be a low seed in the West. Because right now, I would say the Warriors, the Suns, the Jazz, the Nuggets, the Clippers, and even the Grizzlies are all playing better basketball right now. And barring injury massively, and I don't wish that on anybody. You know that you know for anybody to take on any injuries. But I don't. If they don't, you know, and I don't hope they. I hope they do not take on any injuries. You know, I don't see it changing for them to be in a low seed from the Lakers' perspective. So, so that begs the question. So I underscored that, you know, old slow defensive issues, having having gotten the payout 
from an offensive perspective, like we thought, you know, f- that we would get as as fans and the front office thought they were going to get. Haven't gotten that. So the question is, what do you do? What do you do? You know, so from my perspective, you know, what you should have done in the first place, do whatever you can and whatever you, whatever you need to do to acquire Buddy Hill. Because I'm sure that DeMar DeRozan's ship is passed or it's sailed right now. I'm sure that's sailed. So, and even if you have to get involved with a, another team, make it a three-team trade, uh, find a way to get Buddy Hill. You know, trade Westbrook, a bench player or two, and, prom- and uh, get Buddy. Promote Rondo as a point guard. Start Bron, AD, Rondo, Hill, Melo. You know, you know, so Rondo, Bron, AD, Hilled. So what's that? Uh, Melo, and Melo, that's your five. You know, a bunch of scoring and telling players on the court and have a reason none, Bradley and Monk, you know, THT contributing all the match. I think that's a decent, de- decent balance. You know, I'm not extremely confident in that either, but I think that's a much better outfit than you currently have on. So I think the team, you know, you know, if you did construct that team, I think that team can beat anybody outside of the Suns and the Warriors in the seven-game series. Now, yet again, you know, that's not the ultimate goal, obviously, you know, especially for LeBron and AD, you know, being champions already. But yet again, you know, I think that if you go from being up in a playing game uh, aspect to the three seed, that you could potentially be with that particular makeup of a team, I think that's still a win. You know, because at this at this rate, if you ride this wave out and don't make any changes, again, play in game, may make the playoffs, may make not be an eighth seed and get waxed by the Suns or the Warriors in the, in the, in the first series and be done. I, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. So, yet again, um, get forty four million dollars of your bucks and trade Russell Westbrook. That's my that's my uh, that's my that's my thought. Because outside of that, you know. You know, this team is where it is, you know, it's never going to be a contender. You know, and then I'll be real, I'll be honest. The window is closing, you know, on another title run before LeBron retires. So if you don't make any changes and, and go all in and be aggressive now, you know, it could be years before the Lakers are, are relevant enough again, based, based upon the way the West is currently constructed, to be honestly and truly relevant again. So there you have it. That's my synopsis and how what's wrong with the Lakers in a nutshell. So let's move over to talk about John Wall. John Wall's status with the with the Rockets is in peril. Wall has gone back and forth playing, you know, exactly what he wants to do with uh his situation with the Rockets. He's gone from wanting to be traded. You know, he's now healthy now. So and he's making a healthy salary. So the Rockets want to know exactly what they're going to get with their money, you know, in excess of thirty some million dollars a year. So he's met with the team on several occasions, and uh, you know they've gone back and forth with the, uh, you know, how he wants to be traded, maybe he wants to play with them, you know, it's gone back and forth. So, um, you know, it's been, it's been, you know, public. It's not public knowledge. It's not a secret that the Rockets have, you know, s- sought out a trade for uh, John Wall. And they haven't gotten even a lukewarm response in my opinion. And I think the issue is, is that they've gotten pushback from other teams based upon John's injury history and the cost it would, it would, it would, it would give the other team to acquire him. So that, that made Wall and the Rockets come reconvene. And uh, he then expressed interest. So, well, maybe I want to play with the Rockets. And he started to 
they started to gel a little bit. I think they're on like a six-game winning streak at this point. Um, so, you know, Christian Wood and a few other players are actually playing well, um, you know, in, the, in their own right without him. So he said, well, why don't I play? And I guess maybe his motive or his determination for that what it was was going to be that, you know, if I play and I people show and remember exactly what type of energy and what type of production John Wall can bring, you know, he could maybe spark some interest in the trade from a trade perspective. But I think the Rockets are apprehensive about that because I really feel like they think that if he plays, there's a chance he gets hurt. And then all of a sudden now he's damaged goods. So again, but it seems expressing interest, you know, interest in them, but they not at the price tag and his availability, you know, makes me wonder, you know, would he consider maybe restructuring uh, his deal to facilitate uh, a trade? But but I do feel like honestly, truly, that that was met with a hard no or some sour feelings from John because, you know, I think he's looking at it like, you know, this will probably be my last big contract based upon my history. You know, I'm 31 years old, so I, I would much rather play the current deal I am out, you know, and earn my money because when that deal is up, I doubt very highly because I'll be in my mid-30s at that point that I will get another deal like that. So I think he's really apprehensive about, about changing his deal, and most teams are apprehensive about trading for him on this current deal because they don't want to spend, out, spend that kind of money, and then he winds up hurting. They don't get anything for their money for real. So I'm there at a contentious moment, honestly and truly. I really don't know exactly what they're going to do uh, with John. Um, you know, and I get it from both sides. I mean, you know, like I said, Wall's looking at it like, you know, he's not going to get another contract. And if he voids it, you know, or he maneuvers it, that gives him more room to trade or release him. And, you know, he doesn't get, you know, anywhere near the you know, amount of money he was due. Um, and of course, they don't want to pay that type of money out to, to, to I want to say get rid of him to move on, you know, so that that's too much money and it's too punitive on people's uh, cap to do that. But, I mean, I think maybe the only solution, honestly and truly, is is to let him play, better for worse. Let him play. And I would like to see him and Christian Wood play together. I really do think they can do some things together. I really think they would be all right together on the court. But I think you just have to throw him out there. And, again, you know, maybe a team will come calling towards the all-star break of day. Maybe, I want to say desperate, but maybe in a need for somebody of his, with his, of his caliber to try to, you know, get them over the hump, you know, particularly because he's been healthy. He's been producing. You know, he's, you know, he's, his body is strong. He's had time off the heel and, you know, he's back, you know, to his normal self. You know, maybe that is the case. Um, but again, I see, I think that, that he could, you know, make some, make some moves, um, you know, in that regard and allow for uh, him to be on the court with those other young guys. And, you know, he can make him, you know, make himself relevant again and make the team better. So I think that, you know, they let him play for better or for worse. I mean, at this point, because I really don't think, look at it like this. I really don't think the team's going to trade for him at his current number and worried about his injury history. So, you know, you have to convince them. It's kind of like the Ben Simmons situation I've been underscoring in the past that you kind of got to put him out there just to let, make people remember exactly what they're getting. And then once you do that, then people will be more uh, in line or more, uh, I guess you can say, considering considerate of the fact that they would accept that type of money um, as, in trade. I think you'll make, you know, it'll kind of soften their stance as far as them worrying about the price tag that would be trading for John Wall. So, again, I think that's what probably would have to end up happening because, again, I don't think they're going to make any headway from a trade with him not being on the court. So, again, I'm here for the Christian Wood, John Wall show. I'm ready. It'll be like a Trey Young, 
um, you know, more of a go to the basket type of deal. It could be more like a straight young in in uh in John Collins thing. You know, could be one of those type of deals. So, you know, like they have in Atlanta. So, uh, I'm here for it. I think there will be, it'll be something to see. So, over the Rockets make the right decision and uh, John Wall can continue to play. So we'll see how that shakes out. So, but speaking of players that make thirty plus million dollars and not playing basketball right now, Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons are making news again. As potential trade rumors have sparked back up, and I have, you know, ha- had the, you know, I've had those that listen every week mention, you know, I mentioned that both teams should cut bait. You know, if you listen to me, you know, and, you know, on a week to week basis, you understand that I, I've been very adamant about the fact that the Nets and 76ers need to cut bait with John Wall, excuse me, with Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons. I've said that. Now, <laughs> you get, now I get, you know, you know, as you know, much as you, you want to get much as you can for, for either one, either person. I, I get that. But if you look at your team right now and, and they're doing just fine without either player. The Nets, you know, the, the 76 are coming up now. They, you know, they they won a bomb burner last night. Um, you know, Embiid had a great game. He's starting to run back to form, coming off COVID and things of that nature. And the Nets are at the top of the, of the whole East. So they're doing fine without these guys. You, and you can literally add, uh, you can literally trade both of these guys, add a different piece and different dynamics to your team that's going to help you further along your travels that you're going on right now. You know, in the sense that, you know, whatever you need that may be a deficient area, uh, you know, especially from the Nets perspective, get a good, de- good, get a good defensive guy, get another good three and D wing guy in a draft pick. Call it a day. Uh, you know, from the seventy six perspective, get another shooter, get another offensive player. You know, somebody like that. You know that and that will help help uh, take the pressure off and beating Tobias and company. To help you out there. Now, I think you're pretty decent from a defensive perspective. I don't knock the uh, the the level of defense that the that the seventy six play already. So I don't think you need a to go hard on defense. I think you need another offensive score. So, yeah, get what you can. Get what you can. But yet again, you know, you got to you gotta get uh, as much as you can for them. But you got to, at this point, I really think it's just time to move on. Um, You know, I, I mean, I, I understand. I, I get it. Now, despite their issues separately, they've had, you know, they've had, they've, they got that, they have value to add to the court. I mean, let's just be honest. And, and now Dame Lillard is expressing disdain with his organization. And their production on the court. And I have to say, I saw this coming as well. And he's rumored to want to play with Ben Simmons. But now we're cooking. But can Portland and the Sixers, you know, make it work? Because at one point, the Sixers won a Dane for Ben. And we all know that's not happening. So will the Sixers accept other options like CJ McCullough or Norman Powell? You know, which is not a bad move. You know, so will they do that? You know, so since Dame is, you know, Air quote, put it out there. I mean, he's not he you know he's not going to claim that he put it out there himself or say it verbally himself, but he leaked that because he wanted people to know he wanted that out there. I, I believe that. So he wants that out there and wants that Ben to get uh, pushed out of Seventy Sixers land and, and into Portland. You know, by whatever means, because you know I think they're one of the bottom teams like the Lakers in, def- in defensive ratings. So he needs somebody that's going to bolster that and, and and play some defense on that side of the on that side of the pond. So, yeah, he's he needs Ben Simmons, and Ben Simmons needs out of Philly. So they need to make that happen. Now, when it comes to Kyrie, and I mentioned this on Sports Talk, uh, so if you haven't uh, haven't heard that uh, this week. Check that out. But you know, because I even said that you can even trade Ben for Kyrie, and it will work for both teams. But here's the issue, you know, especially this is the issue the Nets have. You know, no team in Eastern Conference is going to want to want to want Kyrie as a contender. 
because he would have to miss all New York games. That's Nets and Knicks. That includes the playoffs. And, and any game with Toronto because Toronto's putting in a mandate uh, coming next month that nobody that's unvaccinated can come into this, the country and play. So, and Toronto's Easter Conference team, so they're going to play them several occasions. So you're missing multiple games in the regular season and you're missing any playoff games as you play against the Knicks, the Toronto Raptors, or the, the Nets. So any of those teams that's an Eastern Conference that may be looking to get Kyrie services in the Eastern Conference won't want won't be able to benefit highly from him. So they'll likely balk on the training for him because I'm like, well, I can't I'm in the same boat as you are in because like, he can't play in any playoff games and he works in Brooklyn because he can't play any home games. But yet again, he's gonna miss from the playoff perspective, if we make the playoffs, he, if we come against the come up against the Nets and Knicks or or the, the Raptors, then guess what? He can't play in none of those games. That that are that are in the arena, so that's the problem. So now the question is, you know, what do you do with him? What do you do with him? You know, um, you know. So we talking about West. You know, what teams out West? You know, need a point guard of his caliber. That is the question. Uh, Dallas potentially, but again, but who do you trade from Dallas? That's the question. Wall for Irving. I'm sure Kyrie doesn't want to play in Houston, though, but that would be good for Big John Wall. Uh, the Clippers don't have the money, although they could probably use a, a, a talent like Kyrie to add to that team. Um, but they would have to trade too much away to even acquire his contract. Uh, the rest of the team's honestly rebuilding. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure he's not going to love to see, you know, any team that's not a contender, you know, vying for him or trading for him. You know, not that he would have much control over it unless he threatens to retire or something like that. And we just, in good faith, won't make the deal because they don't want to screw the other team because that's bad for business down the line. But I don't know. I think Kyrie's more of a, in a more predicament than Ben Simmons is. I mean, because, again, Ben Simmons doesn't have a vaccination issue. You know, he just have a, a mental health issue and a contentious moments with his team issue. You know, playing is not the issue. He can play tomorrow. So, you know, I don't know. But... You know, I think that the only thing you can do is, I mean, you what you honestly truly want, you don't want to see, have to see the person you're trading in, in large regard either. So you would want to send them to the Western Conference anyway. But, you know, if you did find a trade suitor in the East, you know, it has to make sense. And from Kyrie's perspective, he does not make sense for any Eastern Conference team because yet again, he's going to miss all New York games in the playoffs or the regular season. And he's going to miss any all Toronto games in the playoffs or regular season. So that pigeonholes you into uh, having his services and praying and hoping that you don't have to face any of those teams in crucial moments. And well, who wants to deal with that at paying 30 plus million dollars a year? Just saying. Ben Simmons, again, he makes a lot of sense. I think if I've had to choose, I think the Ben Simmons trade may happen before the Kyrie trade happens, but it's just interesting that those, those both come up in the news again as tr potential trade uh, uh, pieces that could get moved here in the near future. You know, that's, that's back in the news. At one point, people were saying, oh, Kevin Durant's not going to allow Kyrie to be traded from the Nets. Eh, well, I don't think the Nets front office cares at this point because they don't care They don't care that much about what Kevin Durant says or, or his unhappiness when I'm spending $30 million and get nothing for it. <laughs> so I think they're over that whole idea of Kyrie Irving and, and KD separation being an issue for KD. You know, I'm sure at some point he'll get over it, be about the business, suck it up, and play basketball. And it is what it is. We'll see how things go and check out from uh, here on out. But um, that's interesting. That's interesting uh, dynamic when it comes down to uh, what they're going to do with Ben Simmons and Kyrie going forward. So we'll keep track of it.
We'll get tracking. Let's take a quick break and then we'll get back into uh, NFL headlines. This is the Lockdown Davis Podcast. back with NFL headlines this is the lockdown Davis podcast I'm your host coach defense so man NFL 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 you never fail me I tell you that you never fail me and when it comes down to headlines and uh one headline I want to start with <laughs> I tell you uh it's definitely got my blood boiling and honestly truly does and I I expressed it deeply again again you have to pay attention to sports talk with coach and Curry along with my podcast because uh you get all perspective from top to bottom you really do um so i'm not going to uh you know deep dive into my uh vitriol <laughs> i'm not gonna call it vitriol because it, it wasn't it wasn't that it wasn't rooted in hate but it was rooted in realism but i'm gonna give you my issue and my uh breakdown of this uh issue with uh, antonio brown and aaron Rodgers because i'm i'm putting them in the same uh topic for a reason so by now, you know that Aaron and Antonio Brown have both shamed themselves in the realm of lying to the media and others about their vaccination status. AB submitted a vaccination card that was fake. Aaron Boldface lied and said that he was immunized, but both were found to be falsehoods and they were exposed to the public. Now, I gave a long, like I said, I gave a long take about this on Sports Talk a couple of weeks ago. So if you haven't listened to that, please check that out. But I will say unequivocally, the NFL is biased. Even when they set precedence weeks before in another incident. Bias on who is a bigger name, who draws more money, and who has a checker passed. I'm sure you're waiting for me to enter into the race conversation, but I'm not going to do it. But we all know the truth. The issue I have is the disparity in how they handle each situation. Now, I will say that, that this, that Aaron is more valuable to the league than AB is. If Aaron misses three games and is and that drastically changes their playoff chances, that hurts the league. AB, as you can see, his team is still winning without him. And AB has a history of issues with the league. So they more harshly judge AB and not Aaron for that very reason. When, when if you dig deep, at, at least, you know, AB has the awareness after the fact to get vaccinated. Once you saw the air, once you saw the air in his ways, he got vaccinated. But Aaron is still walking around unvaccinated, and even in, in even more of a danger to himself and others in the NFL. And that's not, and I'm not cool with that at all. But the NFL, you were in on the caper. You knew from 21 Jump Street that Aaron wasn't vaccinated. You knew. And you knew that he was unvaccinated, but he wanted to walk around like he was vaccinated and said what he said because he didn't want to be judged because of it. And you allowed it. But AB puts in a fake ID and is vaccinated after the fact, and he gets three games. 
big bias and big money involved in those decisions. And the NFL skirt is honestly, truly showing in this situation. It really is. Um, and, and honestly, a part of me hopes that, that Gruden in this, uh, in this case exposes those documents to the world so they can truly see how dark the NFL can be behind the curtains. Because there's no way that if you set a precedence of a fine uh, for, and I'm just going to call it, you know, from this perspective, if, if misrepresenting your vaccination status, if, if the precedence was a fine for Aaron Rodgers at 14K for misrepresenting his vaccination status, Antonio Brown should have gotten the same thing because he misrepresented his vaccination status. And again, the underlying underbelly of this whole situation is that at least AB went back and corrected his ways. Aaron Rodgers still unvaccinated. And yet again, you were in bed with Aaron this whole time and let him do what he wanted to do because he's Aaron Rodgers. Antonio Brown has a checker pass and been hacking such moments with NFL, so you punish him for three games and take away his game checks because he did the same thing Aaron Rodgers did. I, I, I don't see, you know, from a one-to-one perspective, how does anything different? You know, again, again, I, I still look at Aaron more funny than I do Antonio Brown. Now, granted, both of what they did was wrong. But at least Aaron Antonio Brown had the sense to not endanger his teammates any further once he realized how much trouble he can get into by 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 uh, documenting a fake vaccination card. They both had the same idea going into this situation. They both were saying, I don't want to be judged and I don't want to be scrutinized and I don't want to go through these protocols. So I'm going uh, to misrepresent myself and say that I'm vaccinated. But if anything, you know, if you make, if you commit a crime and you make atonement for that crime, you're viewed one way. But if you commit a crime and double down on the fact that you committed a crime because you wanted to, you're deemed, you should be deemed in another light. And Aaron, although he's being held on a pedestal by the NFL, you know, he's not being deemed as being a person that's doubled down on his falsehoods or doubled down on his, uh, his, his error of his ways. But Antonio Brown has been been demonized and could possibly get released from his team because he misrepresented himself. But yet again, at this moment, he's vaccinated. So he did ultimately, you know, get vaccinated and do the right thing. Aaron still has not. But yet again, the NFL is okay with Aaron playing unvaccinated, but you, you want to take, you know, games away from Antonio Brown. Now, granted, it probably sell to serve them just as well. He didn't really care. Um, about the suspension because he's rehabbing an injury. So as long as he's available for the postseason, he's fine. But again, now you get you've had now you have the team angry because he misrepresented himself, and he's there's most likely this anger is beginning because they're getting pressure from the league. I don't think that Bruce Arians in his private conversations with Tom Brady really want to release Antonio Brown because they know he's a key component to them repeating. But I'm sure they're getting pressure from the NFL to send a message to other. People that are not the caliber of Aaron Rodgers. I'm just going to use the word caliber. And I like the word, you, the phrase Curtis Kurt used in sports talk. You know, and he, they're comfortable with his white collar crime. But they're not comfortable with it's people like Antonio Brown getting away with this type, type of antics. See the difference? There's the big difference there. So, that being said, again, NFL, your skirt is showing. 
you definitely are truly sending a clear dog whistle type message to the league saying that depending on who you are, you know, you know, you're not, you're not held at the same level of understanding or, or turning a blind eye to that other people are. And, you know, as much as you have messages of equality and in racism and all this, uh, you know, paper on paper message that you're giving to the world, you really, you really truly don't want to piss off your back alley supporters. We all know the score. We all know the score. So that's my take on Aaron Rodgers and Antonio Brown's conversation. So yet again, I'm not excusing Antonio Brown at all because what he did was totally, completely, utterly foul. And yet again, you know, he has his issues. He does. And the people he has around him, and I don't know if he's trying to get over on these people or whatever the case may be, you know, but they constantly and completely putting himself in harm's way and in the news because he's got has contentious moments with these people he deal with. You need to have better people around you, Antonio Brown. You really do. You know, just or just pay what you're pay what you're what you owe. <laughs> you know, or whatever the issue is. You know, but you having these contentious moments to have people tell your business all the time is bad for your brand. And you should know this by now. So, but yet again, I know this, I know what type of time the NFL is on. So, as we move on, let's talk about the Green Bay Packers itself. You know, so in related news, you know, we're talking strictly football here. You know, and I understand that they want a bye week this week, but the Packers are a story for football for as a football team again. Now, I admit I was waiting for them to fall on their faces with all these injuries and Aaron's nonsense. However, despite that, they're one of, they have, they're one of the top teams in the league right now. I mean, despite it all, I mean, yeah, they have a top 10 defense, a top 10, 15 offense, and they're sitting pretty right now with a two seed behind Arizona, who they beat head to head in their own building. And they were down 10 starters in that game against Arizona, and they still won. You know, and only, only noteworthy injury did the, Cardinals head at the moment is is DeAndre Hopkins went out with a hamstring in that game. He started the game, but he didn't finish it. So, uh, yeah, I hate to say it, but the Packers are, are, are a cause for concern if you, if I'm in the NFC team. Honestly, true. You know, and if you look back at it, the only time Aaron has won a Super Bowl is when he had a top 10 defense, and he has one now. I think they're sixth overall. With a, with a boatload of injuries, a multitude of injuries. I mean, Jared Alexander, one of the best corners in the league, out, been out for weeks. Zadarius Smith, out for weeks, the best pass rusher. You know, Rashad uh, Gary hurt. Uh, he's banged up. He's playing, but he's banged up. I mean, just uh, carousel of linebackers. I mean, the only person that's solid is Devontae Campbell. He's been there all year. You know, Janice Smith came and left. It's, you know, they have injuries uh, up front on, on uh, Willie Merciless that came and got injured, and he's out for the season. So, you know, it's scary to say that this team fully healthy is, is going to be a problem. And they've had a bye week, and they've going to slowly work these guys back in. I'm sure that uh, Jair and Zadarius are due to return off IR. And a few others, Aaron Jones getting healthier. He had a, two weeks of rest at knee. Uh, it's, 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 it's a problem. Bakhtiari's going to come back at left tackle. They lost Elton Jenkins for good, so that's an issue. But for some reason, they just plug and play linemen well. That's another issue I have. Like, where do they find these guys at? Because they don't their protection and their run blocking schemes and things of that nature don't drop off dramatically, despite who they have on the line. And they're gonna get an all world left tackle 
back or a perennial all pro pro bowler uh, in here in the next week or two. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. You know, so, I mean, you got to give credit where credit's due. They've kept it together. They've kept it together. Again, this team could be really and truly by season end could be ready to throw in the bucks if the bucks are seen on the on the on the wavelength that they've been playing right now. Because they've been winning games, but they haven't been winning it, you know, handily. So I, I truly have never seen a team with this much dysfunction, mainly from the quarterback off the field, but be so tightly sewn up on the field. It's amazing. I mean, I guess what Aaron did was instant karma in 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 endangering his team and personnel because you know, I have to take my hat off and say that they are playing acceptable football. And with the remaining schedule they have, you know, all games outside of the conference title game could be played in Lambo. And I'm sure nobody, you know, the Cowboys, uh, you know, I want to say uh, Rams, uh, you know, just thinking of, you know, off the top of my head, playoff teams right now, uh, you know, maybe the Washington football team right now, they're technically in. I'm sure they don't want to go to Lambo. Nobody on teams want to go to Lambo to play football. You don't. I mean, even the, even the although they beat them last year in Lambo, I'm sure the Buccaneers don't want to do that if they don't have to. So, I'm just saying. And again, if they made it all the way through and they face Arizona in Arizona, they beat them there already. So they got a, they got a mental advantage. So, I would be concerned. <laughs> I would be concerned if uh, if I'm the NFC because um, they're such a football. You just have to give them credit. You really do. So, uh, um, you know, despite all the antics and issues that Aaron has in his own rights, in his own, you know, head, in his own mental space, they're winning and can't take it away from him. One of the teams, one of the few teams outside of the Patriots that are really, truly consistent right now. So what can you say? What can you say? So speaking of playoffs and things of that nature, um, I want to take a minute to uh, address an, a topic that I've been uh, I'm not going to use the word harping on, but I have mentioned um, on more than one occasion that's um, as a vital piece and a key component to teams um, that are playoff hopeful that will be a benefit or your ultimate demise if you don't have it um, at a respectable level. And that's the run game. We are getting to that uh, part of the season. It's December. And most of the country outside of California, which most teams in California have domes. I know the Chargers and Rams have a dome. Uh, California doesn't have a dome. Uh, excuse me, San Francisco have a dome, but they have nice weather. Um, you know, Seattle's cold right now. You know, they, but who's they, they even make the playoffs? You know, so most teams, you know, the, the Cowboys have a dome. You know, but most teams are cold weather teams at this point. And... <laughs> And we're going to talk about it in a minute, but the Patriots are, are lining themselves right up for every game to be played with them. We're going to be in Fosborough. So cold, rainy, wet, snowing, much like they played in Buffalo this past Monday night. So uh, the run game has to be a part of your offense if you're going to be a playoff team and a playoff team that's need, that wants to make a decent run here in the next month or so. So like I said, I have long preached to the highest football mountaintops that playoff games in either sport are different animals. And the NFL is no different. And teams have to have a certain DNA to make a far in the playoffs. And no matter how dynamic your pass game is, if you don't have a solid defense that can get stops, 
solid special teams, mainly kicking, namely kicking, and mainly kicking, and a respectable run game late in the season, you're going to struggle to win games in the playoffs. Ask the Bills. It's been their Achilles heel. So, why do you think I've been harping on the Pats and being the favorites? Because Bill knows the score. He knows better than anyone what wins in the postseason. And it seemed to build to do just that. Look, look what they did to the Bills this past Monday. They Mac Jones threw the ball three times in his whole game. I mean, that's a Madden 20 type of it's that's a Madden 20 type of move that you can run the ball that much and only ball throw the ball three times to win a game. I mean, come on. You know, so if you play Madden 20, you know what I mean. Because that was a completely and utterly uh, ridiculous uh showing of how overpowered the running game was and you didn't have to throw the ball to win games. So, yet again, I'm not going to predict the playoff teams and how I think they're going to check out this year because I think there's a lot to be decided. Uh, but what I'm going to do here is I'm going to identify playoff teams as it, as it is today and what teams are built the correct way and what teams, you know, have the keys to uh, victory and and who doesn't who does and doesn't belong in a bad weather game, you know. So, you know, I'm, I'm breaking down. You know, from team to team, exactly, you know, who has the keys and who and who doesn't. And in the bad weather game, who's going to look like a fish out of water? So, as it's currently constructed right now, the, the Pats will be the one seed, the Titans the two, Ravens three, Chiefs four, Bills five, Chargers six, Bengals seven. So, in the NFC will be the Cardinals one, Packers two, Bucks three, Cowboys four, Rams five, Washington football team six, and seven, 49ers uh, seven. So, that would lead to matchups would, would be uh, round one in the AFC would be Bengals versus Titans. So, uh, assuming the Titans will be, they will be home, uh, and assuming at this particular juncture they will have Derrick Henry back and Julio and A.J. Brown. Um, in an underrated defense against a young quarterback, a team that hasn't uh, been to the playoffs together at all yet. When most of those team, most of the players on the Titans team have and made deep playoff runs, I would say that although the Bengals have a really good running game with Joe Mixon and a really good, really solid pass game, I, I would want to say that their defense leads much to be desired. But those two ideas from the Titans are completely sewn up. I think they have they have a really good dominant running game with a healthy Derrick Henry, uh, a, a solid pill action in pass game with two solid receivers on the outside, and a defense is highly underrated. They can get stops uh, in the running game. So, um, although I like the Bengals and the Titans as being built with the right stuff, I think the Titans will win that game going away because I think they have a better run game. They've been there before, and they will honestly and truly, uh, you know, just overwhelm the Bengals from a um, from a running perspective. I really think they would just really, really impose their will when it comes down to running. And Derrick Henry's in cold weather in January, it's not somebody you want to tackle. You know, it's a refrigerator running at 20 miles an hour. <laughs> you don't want to tackle that. You just don't. So the next matchup will be the Chargers at the Ravens. And this is round two of this because the Chargers and Ravens played each other in Baltimore early in the season and the Ravens walked all over them. And what did they do? Run the ball, run the ball. And I hate to say it, you know, just, and I'm just being real. And I'm just being unbiased 
honesty, honest person when it comes down to this podcast. And the Chargers aren't building the right stuff. They have a dynamic quarterback. They don't have much of a running game at all. The defense run defense is porous. Uh, although they have, they did show some decent flashes against the Bengals this past week, but that's not the norm. And the Ravens, le- legit, Lamar didn't have their throw the ball at all, and they walked all over him. So, despite Lamar's struggles, and I'm going to talk about him next, um, in the next segment about his uh, his struggles, but despite his struggles, if they had to face the Chargers in round one in Baltimore, I don't think they had much trouble running the ball um, in cold weather. Um, you know, cold weather, you know, could be rain and snow, who knows, any of those things. Elements going to be wind, things that are going to be a factor. So, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and you got three elements in the running game. You got two backs and, and, and a quarterback that can run. So, they, to me, they're built with the right stuff. They have a solid running game. One of the probably one of the best behind the Titans. That that's a team that could literally be built with the right stuff and can literally can make a deep playoff run. So glad to say that I think the Titans and the Ravens, you know, on my list right now is being built with the right stuff. So interesting, not the most interesting matchup in in this particular uh, wild card round will be the Chiefs versus the Bills. Yeah, the Chiefs and the Bills. Uh, neither one of those teams are built with the right stuff. They are. The Chiefs are pass heavy and they can't seem to get that right. The pass game isn't what it was have no type of running game that's respectable at all. The Bills' best running component is Josh Allen. Although they're trying, I give them, I give them a, a, a scotch of credit. They're trying to run the ball with Singletary and company a little more. Then he lost a little faith in Matt Breida after he fumbled uh, last night. But uh, but they're trying to, they're trying to incorporate a little bit more. And they're getting decent yards. They're not getting, they're getting the Cleveland Brown kind of yards. But they're 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 trying. But yet again, at, at this particular juncture, on based up on the numbers, they're not getting it done on the, in the run game. They're not. So neither one of those teams are built with the right stuff. Now, this game will be played in Kansas City, which means cold, snow, weather, wind, and you see how the Bills fare. Now, granted, Josh Allen was able to overcome the elements in the sense with a strong arm. But again, hostile environment, you know, Arrowhead Stadium, Kansas City, Missouri, winter time. It's a toss up for me. It really is. I think the Bills have a better defense, in all honesty. And the Chiefs and Bills are playing head to head, and the Chiefs and the Bills beat them this past uh, time. So beat them heavily. So, you know, if it's a nice day, you know, if they could pray for a nice day, the Bills win, in my opinion. But I have to get the edge of the Chiefs if it's, a, if it's a nasty game because they're at home and they know how to handle those elements a little better, you know, playing at home with all the crowd noise. So, and your and your Patriots have a buy. So, if I had, like I said, from the, from the AFC perspective, I think the Bengals. I give them a little scotia credit for the run game, but I don't like it advancing. The Titans and the Ravens advance, and there's a toss up between the Chiefs and the Bills. It just depends on what kind of weather it is that day. But yet again, the Chiefs and Bills give me pause because they don't have the right element. They're not built with the right stuff. They make mistakes that can put them behind the chains in in certain regards, like they did, like the Bills did against the Pats. And guess what? Going to happen. You're likely going to fall, you know, because you, you can't overcome those type of things in the playoffs like you can in the regular season because it's going to go home. So, if you, if whoever makes, the, you know, the mistakes, the cause of the mistakes in this game will ultimately decide the winner. And again, you know, and not having a dominant running game to rely on hurts you because if I can run a ball, control the clock, and don't have to worry about penalties in a large space. Because I'm throwing a ball over this yard, and guess what? I have a better chance of winning. 
So the Titans and the Ravens have that formula. Chiefs and Pats don't. Chiefs and Bills don't. Pats definitely do. They'll be with all the right stuff, and Bill Belichick knows it. So that's what's scary about the Patriots in this particular situation because they hold the, all the cards. They're, if they are the number one seed at the end of the season, which they likely will be because the Bills have to play them again in Foxborough, and he couldn't get it done in Buffalo. They'll be the number one seed. And you do not want to play in Foxborough in the playoffs against Bill Belichick. Sorry, because he ratchets it up even further in the playoffs. So moving over to the NFC, the 49ers and the Packers will be the first matchup. Now, this particular situation is intriguing. This game will be in Lambeau. Now, the Packers played the 49ers in the regular season, and they owned them for the first time in a while because normally the 49ers are the more physical team, and they come punch the Packers in the mouth in the last few years in the playoffs, and they have not fared well. Green Bay has not fair work against the 49ers, but they have, have upped their physicality against the 49ers, and they've done better against them. And they have a dominant running game now. See, what's scary about the Packers is they have a dominant running game and a pass game. They're both. You know, despite injuries, they lost Tanyan, um, but they still got Mercedes Lewis is a great blocking tight end. Uh, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones running the ball is a two-headed monster. And Aaron, you know, running, Aaron being Aaron and being a dynamic quarterback that he is. That's that's a that's a rough that's a rough go. 49ers just have the running game. I don't trust their passing game at all. I don't trust Jimmy G. Rubber throwing the ball over the yard, all over the yard, and having to keep pace with with, with uh, Aaron Rodgers. So I think the Packers win that game. I really do. 49ers have the run game, but that's all they have. Packers have both. And again, that's what I underscored earlier in the segment. That's what makes the Packers scary because they have a little bit of both and they got a good defense now. So it, it, it's a scary thing to watch. It's a scary thing to watch. So the next match will be the Washington football team and the Bucks in the rematch. And uh, although this will be played in Tampa, so the weather most likely won't be in the factor. This will be played in Tampa. So you can throw that out the window. I don't really, I don't trust the Buccaneers run game like I trust the Packers or the 49ers. And the Washington football team has a decent run game. Not, I'm, I'm just not world beating, but guess what? The Bucs have the best run defense in the league. So, but that component makes give the Bucs the edge and does it, it makes the – uh, watch the football team one dimensional and will most likely uh, be the demise of the Washington football team because you don't want to tell the Heineken throwing the ball 40, 50 times a game. You just don't. Because when you, again, make it a one dimensional and have Taylor Heineken throw the ball over the yard and that let that pass pin his ears back and go get him on a night, on a play in, play, play in and play out basis, it's not going to bowl well. So definitely give the Bucks the edge in that one and again, uh, winning another playoff game in Tampa against the Washington football team. So the Rams and the Cowboys will play if this matchup holds. Now, I said this in sports talk, and I think that's the issue with the Rams and what they need to get back to because they have the ability to be a power run team. That's what Sean McVay's DNA is. But he hasn't been doing it. But what he did against the Jaguars was he ran the ball down the Jaguars throw with Sonny Michelle. It opened up everything. So he must have heard my, my, my issue. You know, and saying that, you know, he needs to get back to his his, his core, his DNA, so in order to be effective. Now, the Cowboys playing at home, they don't have any semblance of a running game with two good running backs. Their running game should be one of the best, and it's not. Like, they should be rivaling the Browns with the O-line they have and the running backs they have, but they're not doing it. Too reliant, relying on these receivers who are in and out of lineup with concussions and, and, and COVID and things of that nature, so... They're having a little bit of chemistry issues themselves. So 
Then they would play home in the Dome. Dallas would have, uh, I would say, uh, a better chance at not being exposed of not having that dominant key component of the running game. But I think the Rams with Aaron Donald and, uh, and that defense up front will do enough to get after Dak Prescott and allow the, the Rams to play ball control, run downhill, play action, you know, and open up the pass game for Cooper Cup and Odell and Van Jefferson and Higby. And I think they're really, Rams were really at this point in this juncture right here, right now, will be the Cowboys in Dallas because they have that component to run the game, solid defense, solid kicking game. The Cowboys are definitely behind them in line and having all those components. They don't have the running game that the Rams have. Uh, you know, I just don't know what, what, what you're going to get with the week between Pollard and Zeke. You don't know. Past game is a little bit of a chemistry issue. You know, although they're squeaking by our victories against certain teams, yet again, playing a good team like this with a really good pass rush, you know, when they try to air it out and pass the ball at a high clip, you got Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, and Aaron Donald coming at you at every play, every clip. It's problematic. And what Jalen Rams is going to do is going to take Amari Cooper completely out of the game. So, you know, have to rely on CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup to win you football games. And can you do it? I'm not sure you can. I like offense of the Rams and the run game for the Rams more short than the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys will lose that first round game. And the Cards have a bye. So, there you have it. <clears throat> so, the 49ers have the good run game, but that's all they have. The pass game is a little bit lacking. The defense isn't, defense secondary is shaky. Packers have, have, a fully healthy Packers team has all the components. Good up front, good linebacker core, good secondary. Safeties are awesome. Amos and Savage, awesome. Jair back. Stokes and King, although King's kind of the liability, you know, but if you can you can hide him enough, get a, get get Zadarius and, and Gary coming off the edge, Kenny Clark in the middle, build with the right build for itself on defense, and have a power run game in a in a great play action game and a, a deep aspect, deep ball aspect from uh Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball, you know, in certain situations deep down to uh, Valdez, Scanlon, Lazard, and uh, and Adams, build the right stuff. Build the right stuff. So Packers are scary for me. Washington football team just don't have enough playing against the Bucks in that front. Don't have enough. Bucks don't have that that dominant running game, but they have a solid run defense, solid defense. Period, and they have Tom Brady. Let's just put it clear. He can overcome a lot of that. He's probably one of the only quarterbacks that's in the playoff picture right now that can do that. So I'm definitely the edge of the Bucks in that regard. Rams have a power run aspect and a good defense. Cowboys do not. And the Cardinals, you get Chase Edmonds and Connor back with that pass off defense and a, and a run offense and that pass uh, game playing all games in dome. Yeah, I think they. I think the Cards are, are are a team that does have a power run game, but can still be effective because they have a really good defense. And they're going to play every game in the Dome. So the weather would not be a factor. So they can maybe be able to get by in that regard. They don't have to worry about a team, have to play a team like the Pats in the cold weather and be affected by that. So so I'm looking at the Cards and the Packers as being a team, the two teams that could be there to end and maybe the Bucks. So we'll see how things check out. Um, but yeah, that's my uh, take on where the running game lies and who, who's built with the right stuff and who can make a deep run in the playoffs. So let's talk about Lamar Jackson now. My guy is struggling. My guy is struggling. Now, <laughs> he had a he had a rough one against the Steelers uh, Saturday night. He really did. He had a rough one. Now, 
to his core, Lamar Jackson is a playmaker. You know, he's dynamic with his speed. He's elusive, stronger than people give him credit for. And he has refined his game since he's been in the league year to year. Give him big credit for that. You know, something that's a glaring issue that he does and he does his best to correct, you know, by the next season's uh, markup. When the next season comes back around, he's done his best and done a really bang up job to this point to correct issues that's, that people are pinpointing as deficiencies in his game. So now comes the idea of him being a refined passer. You know, that was the last great knock on his game people harped on. So to me, and, you know, and not a lot of people have covered this aspect of Lamar's game this year. But for me, to me, you know, he has made a conscious effort to be more of a passer and a good passer of the football and less of a runner. Trying to dispel the stigma that all black quarterbacks, all they, all they do well is run. Especially when you have elite speed. You know, I mean, Dwayne Haskins is not going to, nobody's going to worry about him being an elite runner, you know, or on a dual threat quarterback. Nobody, you know, he doesn't have the foot speed. But when you have the foot speed, then people look at you like, okay, he's going to be a runner first. So he's trying to debunk and dispel those rumors. You know, whether you should or shouldn't have to, we can debate that another day. Of course, I'm going to elk that you shouldn't. You should be judged on, your, on the merits of your throwing ability and how well you deliver the ball down the field, not whether or not you can be a, a, a running back. But another conversation for another day. But yet again, you know, he's, you know, especially, like I said, what is the least speed? You know, you know, he, I would say, you know, until recently, I would say that he, in stretches, despite the massive amount of injuries he's had on his team, he's had some really good passing games in the first half of the season. Now, now that, that probably, you know, now the problem is this, you know, when it comes down to your early success, defensive coordinators get paid too. And Lamar, you know, almost every, and Lamar is, you know, almost playing into the defensive coordinator's hands by staying in the pocket and, not, and trying to move the ball through the air now. You know, so Lamar, so no fault of his own, you know, had aspirations of putting up good passing numbers this year. But the injuries he had to O-line, running backs and wide receivers in droves has been forced him to make, you know, make a lot out of nothing in a lot of regards, you know. You know, if he had his running game, his protection, healthy receivers week to week, I could see him making headway there. However, now teams are just, you know, set in, you know, on going to pressure him, you know, and, you know, and they, and they know he don't want to run. So they take away his first read, bracket his safety valve, which is Mark Andrews. Now credit the Dolphins for this scheme, you know, being the trailblazers of this scheme. Put pressure on you, zero blitz you, you know, zone blitz you, things of that nature. And, um, you know, make him make a quick read. And if it's not there, they know that he don't want to take off. So he's trying to extend the play in and around the pocket and try to get the ball down the field. And he's throwing, he's throwing interceptions because he's trying to, he's trying so hard to throw the ball down the field rather than run. He's trying his hardest. I, I'm, I'm seeing, I'm literally watching him. I'm like, okay, he's going to run. Nope. He, he'll, he'll think he'll, I've seen him take steps like he want to run and he'll, he'll retreat and back up, backpedal. And go back and, and sink back into the pocket trying to get the ball down the field. I've seen him do it several times. Several times. So that lets me know in his mind that he's trying to stay. He's telling himself, stay in the pocket, stay in the pocket, stay in the pocket, throw the ball. Stay in the pocket, stay in the pocket, stay in the pocket, throw the ball. That's what he's telling himself. But I'm sorry, Lamar. At this point, <laughs> it's costing you games because people are leaning into the idea 
that that you're not gonna walk you're not gonna uh run run and escape the pocket and they're leaning into that idea and they're just letting you literally you know work yourself into a mistake that's all they're working on that's all they're worried about is that eventually he's gonna stuff is gonna be covered he's gonna try to he's gonna end up having to force it and it's, it's not gonna be a a, a a incomplete pass or a turnover more times than not, and that's what's been happening. He had a four interception game two weeks ago. He had a interception or two uh, Sunday. So yet again, and have his best showings here lately. And like I said, he's honestly and truly pigeonholing himself and just not being a playmaker, you know. So what needs to change from here on out, you know? Because I still think because there's so many injuries they've had and they just can't seem to keep nobody healthy. Um, they lost Martin Humphreys yet again, another Pro Bowl they lost here in the last. Uh, in the last, uh, what, 48 hours. So, at this point, he just needs, because they have a, a slight lead in the division still, at the dropping two games. So, you just need to be a playmaker, Lamar. Just be a playmaker. If running the ball is the, is the best play to make at that, on, that, on that play, make it. If throwing the ball is the best play, make it. Running the ball with a running back is the best play, make it. Checking the ball down, make it. Just make the right play. Don't lean too far into trying to be a good passer because it just your team is just not built to last, you know, from a health perspective for you to be able to do that. You just don't have the healthiness up front to be able to do that. You don't have the running game to lean on. You know, from a running back, we're saying all your running backs are hurt. You got journeyman, Latavius Murray, and Devontae Freeman who've got hope on multiple teams trying to, you know, give, get you yards. You, they, they're not. They're not Dobbins and 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 in Justice Hill and these guys, uh, young dynamic guys that they can they can be a game changer. It's just not. You don't, so again, just be a playmaker. Just be a playmaker. Because honestly, truly, you trying to be a refined passer is hurting the team at this point. Just be a playmaker. Go out there, make the right plays, and if you have to run for hundred yards a game to win games, so be it. At this point, it's just about winning and getting yourself the division and at least a one playoff home game. That's what, they, that's what the move has got to be right now. You have to be in condensed win mode. You can't be, I'm going. I'm working on my game mode now. That has to go out the window. And when you get back healthy from a front perspective, you get Ronnie Stanley back and you get your old line back whole and you get your running backs back, then we can go back to the idea of you being a refined passer. You still got time. I understand you're looking at Cam Newton. You're like, I know Cam Newton's probably the example that you want to use is that he never was allowed to or made himself work on being a refined passer he just was a playmaker he was just he had to use his legs use his legs at all times they got him hurt a lot i get it you don't want you want to learn from people's past mistakes i get it but again at this point at the small segment left in the regular season just be a playmaker just be a playmaker go out there and make plays win games that's all you can and need to do at this moment to help yourself and we can go back to working on your past game to another all season working on it you know getting getting uh, your mechanics even you know that much better and come back and, and starting in with a healthy receiving core and a healthy running back core next year and a healthy O-line. Right now, the way things are fixed and transfixed, it's just not going to work out for you. And if you continue to do this, you're gonna, you're gonna, you, you could honestly be sitting home for the playoffs. You really could be. The Bengals could be the division lead winners, and you really could be sitting home. There's a chance of that if you keep losing games like this. You know, understand that you have receivers now, but you don't have the protection that you need. So the whole thing's got to go hand in hand. So... Gotta, 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 gotta hold, gotta know what to hold and know what to fold them, buddy. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. So now, as we, before we uh, wrap up uh, 
NFL segment. Let's get into our hot games of the week. Let's get into it. And we'll give our quick recap of whatever, all the games we did for week 13. So, the first game of the week was the Cowboys uh, at the Saints, and the Cowboys were favored by four and a half. And we took the Cowboys in this one. And um, honestly, truly, my takeaway from that game was that uh, I, I'm really concerned about the Cowboys' offensive of identity. I really am. You know, I, I, like I underscored in the previous segment about the run game, just they don't they don't sell me on having a good running game and the pass game. They got the chemistry's off. You know, but again, in this particular game, they were just they 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 had the luck of the draw of their schedule in the back half. And I think I've talked about this before. Their back half, if they made it through their first half of the schedule decent, and their back half schedule is going to be really loose, and they were going to be able to make waves and be a high seed because their schedule is is, is dictates that. But you know, and and that and that was a microcosm of what I, what the Saints game was. The Saints just had way more issues than the Cowboys did. They had in the mainly a quarterback. You know, they had. Taysom Hill with a jacked up finger throwing four interceptions. So that made the Cowboys were made able to make short work of the Saints, in all honesty. So, you know, we get a W on that one. But um, but yeah, I still question the Cowboys' offensive identity at this point. And and much like I criticized Seattle last year for having identity issues in the back end of the season, which could cost you, the Cowboys have the same problem. They really do. So I would be wary, uh, Dallas, if I were you. I really would. So the next game was Steelers versus Ravens, as we talked about before in Lamar Jackson's issues. So, like I said, again, I spoke about Lamar's in early in the segment about his downfall. You know, and the Steelers didn't play good, you know, in my opinion. I think the Ravens played bad. Uh, again, I think, and again, they're down in yet another pro bowler. And Lamar's got to be a playmaker from here on out. That, that's my takeaway. Um, you know, we picked the Ravens to win, and, um, you know, they didn't get it done. You know, they were a two-point conversion away from getting it done. Um, but, you know, it was just a rough call, trying to throw the ball around T.J. Watt, and, Hell, it just didn't work out. But, you know, again, I don't think the Steelers played great. I think the Ravens just had to just play bad. I really think that Lamar was just trying to do too much. All right, so we got the Broncos and the Chiefs. Um, we picked the Chiefs to win. Um, the 10-point spread was a bit much, but, I mean, they, I think they covered it. But, in all honesty, I'm just I'm just shaking my head at the Broncos. I mean, they, they really could have stayed home with that effort. Uh, I think they got too focused on trying to keep pace with the Chiefs, and they didn't capitalize on certain scoring opportunities, and they were trying to overcompensate. Or what the Chiefs, uh, they felt like the Chiefs were going to do rather than what they did do. Uh, because they could have kicked some cooked field goals in certain situations. And, and, I, and I said this about the Chiefs, you know, early on in the, in the season in the podcast that, you know, you can't, if you kick field goals versus the Chiefs, you lose. And, I, and, I, and I'm sure Vic Fangio realized that. But you also realize that this Chiefs team is the same. So they will make mistakes. They will go three and out and they will turn the ball over um, back to you on downs. So, you know, you can kick field goals on, on them just to keep pace. You know, just understand, just just work on the, you know, microcosm or the microscope microscopic point of where the game is. At that moment, if you if you if you're going to be down three points by kicking the field goal and 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 it's early in the game, take the points. You know, they're not blowing people out. They're not scoring 30, 40 points on people right now. They're just not doing it. So yet again, the effort that they gave was horse and horrid it really was but you know the Chiefs get a W I did pick them to win but I just the, the Broncos effort was disturbing to me it really was and, and just to see how well they played against the Chargers the week before that you know again they just I just don't get it uh, how you play that good week, the week before that and just lay an egg the next week it's, just, it's baffling it really is baffling but that's what they did so the next game was the Washington football team at the Raiders the Raiders were faded by two and a half 
Uh, you know, and much like much like the Broncos, the Raiders disappoint me as well. They disappoint they disappoint me very early because they played such a good game against the Cowboys the week before that. And again, they laid the egg against the Washington football team. Now, maybe I'm not giving the Washington football team enough credit, but the Raiders again play bad versus the football team. You know, they didn't they didn't take the game from them, in my opinion. They didn't. They really didn't. I, I really feel like the Raiders should have had multiple opportunities to put points on the board and they just didn't either make the right read or make the right catch or drop a pass. You know, it was just, a, it was just sloppy overall. It was just really sloppy. It was just sloppy overall. And again, you know, I'm not taking anything away from the football team because they've, they ride high on his win streak, but you know, that passing the first call aside, the Raiders should have won this game just based upon talent alone. And they didn't get it done. How do you not get that done at home? It's just baffling to me. How you have the home field advantage, the you know the better quarterback, and you just don't get it done. You just don't get it done. Again, missing reads, missing wide open receivers, uh, receiver dropping passes, and you know you're not getting help from the refs. So recipe for disaster. So we took out on that one. All right, so we got the Chargers and the Bengals. Uh, we picked the Chargers, of course, to win the game, and then we got the W. Um, so Chargers, I, I have to be honest here though. The Chargers did get some breaks in this game. I got to admit that. Um, but the Bengals did a lot in penalties and mistake-wise to lose this game. They did. But what isn't typical about the Chargers in this particular uh, outing, I'm going to say, is that they took a full advantage of those mistakes. Like, every time the, the Bengals made a mistake, they capitalized on it. And that's not typical Chargers football. So that would, that makes me believe that this was a convincing win because they finally uh, allow teams to make mistakes and they – Ultimately, truly capitalized on it. They were getting seven, not threes. But it was a good look for the offense as a whole. Offense looked good. Herbert had another stellar day through the air. It was a righteous win. So that was a good game. So we got a W on that one. So in a nightcap, the game of the week, which, you know, the weather played a factor in this one. Boy, I tell you that. The Patriots at the Bills, and the Bills were favored by two and a half. So uh, the Bills lose 14 and 10. And, uh, and that that right there, man, it speaks to <laughs> it speaks to my point about not having a dominant running game in that element. And that's gonna ring true again. If you ever play them in Buffalo or New England, which more than likely is gonna be New England at this point, because they're riding high with the number one seed. If you play the Patriots in that same type of weather again with no uh respectable running game, you're gonna have the same result. Now, I give Josh Allen a lot of credit for having a ridiculously strong arm and to be able to cut through that wind. Uh, like he did, and he'd be able to pass the ball in the second half. But yet again, you know, Bill is too smart and savvy to allow you to just do what you want in any facet. So you have to honestly, truly have something else to go to. You know, if you had a respectable running game, you can lean more towards that, make him overcommit to that run game because you're making headway with it, and then you can throw the ball. But being past happy in the elements is not going to win football for you. And the, and the Bills found out. That's why I brought the run game as a topic for this week's podcast because I felt like the Bills, if they lost this game, that would be the glaring outcome. And the Patriots ran the ball, ran the ball, ran the ball. Mac Jones threw the ball three times. And they won 14-10. and 10. And how they score? On runs. One long run and one decent run from uh, – from uh, Ramondre Stevens. So, yeah. So there you have it. Well, actually, you know, I lied because they got one touchdown and two field goals because they did go for two. So it, that would make you know, two field goals. 
I believe that's how it worked. It's two field goals and uh and an eight point uh, two point eight point drive. So is that is that how it should go? I want to say I have to double check the box score, but uh, yeah. I mean, like I said, Mac Jones two or three for nineteen yards. Jamie Harrison ten for one eleven a touchdown. I mean, come on now, come on now. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what what it all boiled down to. It's, it looks like they had you know field goals. Uh, two field goals. Yep, Nick Foles two for two. Yep, two field goals and a touchdown. Yeah, <laughs> uh, dude, they, they ran the ball forty six times for two hundred twenty two yards. And they ran, mind you, Josh Allen yet again was the leading rusher on his team, six for 39. And they ran the ball for 99 yards and 25 carries for the Buffalo Bills. Josh was 15 and 30 for 145. Touchdown. Never get it done to play off football like that, I'm just telling you. So, Bills are 75 now. Uh, the New England Pages are 9 and 4 in the in driver's seat for the number one seat. Hate to see it. Hate to see it. Hate to see it. So, that's going to wrap up our NFL headline segments for the week. So, as we wrap up the NFL segment as a whole, let's get into, <laughs> let's get into our grievance of the week. Tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. Yep. Coach Defense's grievance of the week. And it's very short and sweet. I, I really, um, I think I drove it home in, in Antonio Brown and Aaron Rodgers segment, but I'm going to say it again. My issue with the NFL is that your bias is becoming more and more obvious. Um, and it's not, it's not, a, it's not, it's really transparent. It's not, it's not taboo anymore. We, and we, and we see it and we, and we, uh, as people that are affected by your bias is, you know, are verily offended. And we should be at this point, you know, we see who you, who and what you revere versus what you should respect and revere equally. And you don't, you know, the way you treated the Antonio Brown situation versus the Aaron Rodgers situation is, is a glaring fact. Um, and yet again, I, I, I harp on the idea of that group. If you don't the backup that brings Chung and pay Gruden, and those emails come out and may be made public uh, through his investigation, then people are going to finally see how dark and ugly the NFL is behind the scenes and who you think that might have been good people aren't good people. So, you know, NFL, you got a lot of, you got a lot of issues with you as an organization, man. Is again, yeah, like I said, your skirt is showing. And, and again, you know, um, to be, you know, organization that, empower well, I'm not gonna use the word empowered at all I'm definitely gonna use that but employees um people of color and and uh I mean, I, and I said I wasn't gonna get deep into that but let's just be real about it let's just be real about it I'm not here to uh sugarcoat anything at this moment I'm really not to employ you know you know probably 70 percent or higher maybe 80 percent of your lead to be minority you know and for you to uh, utterly and truly lean towards, you know, uh, people that do white collar crimes versus people that do the same crime and they get vastly more harsher punishment is 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 a complete utter black eye, you know, of the many black eyes that you've gotten over the years about things of this nature. And yet again, I mean, when, 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 
are you going to finally be the first zebra to change the stripes? <laughs> I mean, it, it has to happen. It really does. It, it really does at this point. You have to be the zebra to change the stripes. You really do. You know, because that, that's the biggest issue. You know, and I, I use that analogy for a reason. Because they say a zebra can't change the stripes. You know, and most people that are deeply sunken in their issues of privilege can't seem to get past it. Can't seem to want to change it or, or, or care to change it. Or, you know, or, or want to change it for that matter because they're, they benefit deeply from it. But just think about, and I'm going to leave it at this. Just think about how much further we can get when you're not trying to step on the necks of other people. If everybody had the same right, same say so, and had the same respect from people that don't look like them, then a lot more can get done in this world that's positive than negative. And that's my final word on that. That's my grievance of the week. Stay tuned for the fourth quarter closeout. It's the Lockdown Davis Podcast. Back with the fourth quarter closeout as the Lockdown Defense Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Defense. Oh man, episode 65 is in the book, so I appreciate everybody indulging me and listening to me throughout this time. I hope you enjoyed the content. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. As always, appreciate everybody to like, comment, subscribe. If you have not, appreciate everybody listening and supporting the channel. Up to this point, we're going to keep rocking and rolling and doing this thing big for y'all, man. Appreciate everybody's support and love out there, man. Um, once again, uh, schedule as it, is, as it rolls. Podcast is always Tuesdays at uh, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on all platforms. Sports Talk with Coach Kurt replays 11 a.m. on uh, Mondays on all platforms as well. Uh, we're also having, uh, uh, we're going to get back to our weekly picks this week uh, on uh, Thursday at 8 p.m. And uh, Charter's Corner at 11 a.m. on Fridays. And then, as always, we're dual casting now. Uh, Sports Talk with Coach Kurt live and direct 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Twist.tv4 says Lockdown Davis Sports. And Lockdown Davis podcast on YouTube, so check that out as well. Um, come in, pull up, chat with us, and uh, and let us know how you are enjoying the content and how you feel about our views and news that we're delivering to you. So let's get into our awards this week for Breakout Player of the Week, Lockdown Defender of the Week, and Big Dummy of the Week. So let's do it, man. Quick point of order before we get into that uh, aspect of it, we want to advertise a weekly picking league. Um, I tweeted this back out um, in uh, in its entirety. Uh, people are interested for the back half of the season, but we're still running our weekly pick'em league. Uh, it's Yahoo Weekly Pick'em League. It's a ten dollar week buy in. Winner take all. We pick uh, the winners of each games, uh, each game that happens on Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, and Monday, um, each and every week. And the winner of the uh, who picks the most wins gets a prize um, for anywhere between you know hundred to two hundred dollars a week. So um, if you can use some extra funds and want to get in and be competitive, uh, let us know. Uh, hit me up on social media. Uh, like down Davis on Twitter. 
Locked on Davis Sports on Instagram. DM me on DM me on either one of those platforms. I can get you in. Or if you want to email me at lockdowndivasports at gmail.com, I can get you in there as well. Again, like I said, it's a Yahoo Pick'em League. You can play week to week. I've done it anytime. Uh, we have tiebreaker rules in place, so we have always crowned a winner, uh, even if we've had ties. So that will uh, always be resolved by Yahoo. Uh, cash up and PayPal uh, payouts are available. Um, and again, it's weekly. Uh, money is due before the start of the NFL week. So if the week starts on Thursday, uh, get your money in and get your picks in before then so you don't miss out on anything that's going on. And Yahoo is mobile. We have the web uh, site and phone apps that you, you can make your picks on the go. So if you're trying to get into that um, at any point in time, let us know and we can get it rolling for you. So uh, let's get into our awards next uh, for Breakout Player of the Week and Lockdown Defender of the Week. So Breakout Player of the Week this week uh, goes to Mr. Tom Brady uh, for passing. Uh, he was uh, 38 of 41, excuse me, 38 of 31. How did that get up there? <laughs> I believe he was 38 of 51. Uh, for three for four for three hundred and uh sixty eight yards and four touchdowns with a quarterback rating of one twelve point two. Uh a broken record for these next two guys, Jonathan Taylor and Justin Jefferson. Uh Jonathan Taylor ran amok again uh on the defense uh for the uh you know playing for the Colts this week. Uh thirty two carries, hundred and forty two yards and two touchdowns. And, uh definitely killing uh leading the league in rushing at this point. Justin Jefferson is definitely a headache for DBs, uh eleven receptions for 182 yards and one touchdown. So, uh, yeah, definitely making a killing in that regard as well. So, uh, yeah, we'll give the uh, boys shout-outs for the brain breakout play of the week. Lockdown defender of the week. Boy, oh, boy. I mean, I think if you watch this game, you already knew. T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt has six tackles, five solos, three tackles for loss, and three-and-a-half quarterback sacks in one game, which propelled him above Miles Gary to be a sack leader at this point. Um, it could be putting him in, in running for defense player of the year this year. I think it's up to him and Miles Garrett at this point. So Miles Garrett was on the bye, so he took full advantage. Yeah, six quarterback hits. Mind you, see, he hit Lamar Jackson six times. Amazing. But yet again, that's indicative of Lamar wanting to stay in the pocket. He got hit six times by TJ Watt alone. But again, no fault of TJ. So he's going to make the stats where he can make them. So he gets uh, logged out of the week one. Uh, the second one is Jordan Hicks. Jordan Hicks had a masterful game in the, in the, in the Cardinals game this week at linebacker. Uh, middle linebacker that, not edge, middle linebacker. 13 tackles, total tackles, nine solos, two sacks, two tackles for loss, and and two quarterback hits. I mean, let's let's just talk about filling the stat sheets up for a minute there. I mean, the boy was all over the field. And again, and I always marvel at guys that do this from a middle linebacker perspective. You're Devin White. Yeah, Jordan Hicks, you know, uh Levante David, Bobby Wagner, and guys of that nature, because there aren't there aren't edge rushing guys. They're literally uh playing the middle of the field and they're getting sacks, they're getting tackles, they're getting forced fumbles, getting picks. It's crazy. Yes, in correction, John Brady was thirty eight of fifty one, like I said, three sixty eight, four touchdowns, one twelve point two quarterback rating. So yeah. So to Tom Brady. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, Justin Jefferson, T.J. Watt, and Jordan Hicks, you get our awards for Breakout Player of the Week and Lockdown Defender of the Week. <laughs> now it's a big dummy of the week, and I haven't talked about this topic twice already. So I think it's to no somebody's surprise who gets the big dummy of the week award. Antonio Brown and the NFL. Antonio Brown for dolling up or uh, devising a – Big vaccination card and submitted to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and making them have to 
uh, explain away that debacle and the fact that you got into a moment with your cook and all of a sudden this became an issue. He told, he dropped down on you. Let's be real about it. He dropped down on you and look what happened. So you are spent over three games for the NFL, which again, I expressed my views on that already, but you're spending for three games because you submitted a fake, fake vaccination card. Not excusing that at all. Totally improper. Now, only thing I do give you credit for is getting vaccinated behind that, but you shouldn't have been in that position in the first place. You should have just got vaccinated, did it a proper way, and you wouldn't have had this problem, and you wouldn't be suspended for their games, and running risk of getting a release from the Bucks. But I don't think they want to do it. That's my personal opinion. But unless the league pressures them too much, but if they if they don't pressure them enough and they feel like they want to deal with it, they want to win the Super Bowl, they'll keep them. But regardless of the case, NFL, you're not off the hook at all, all, all in this either. I talked about your bias and my grievance of the week. I talked about your disparaging uh, punishments that you're giving out for certain people. You're not off the hook. So again, for your role in this whole situation of being complicit in Aaron Rodgers' case and they want to overly punish AB, you're in the category as well. So to Antonio Brown and NFL, Roger Goodell, you get a big dummy of the week award. You big dummy. So that's going to wrap up the podcast this week. I appreciate everybody that's been listening and, and, and grinding with me though these past 65 episodes. They're going to keep doing it big for y'all, man. Episode 66 is coming right back at you next week. I appreciate everybody's support. As always, like, comment, subscribe if you haven't. Check out our dual cast on Saturdays with Sports Talk with Coach and Kurt. It's always live and direct on 9 p.m. on Saturdays. Um, you know, we're going to drop, we're going to draft this content home up until the holidays. So be looking uh, for that to drop every week until the holidays. So in the meantime, in between time, I'm your man, Coach Defense. Step up and lock it down.